That's what she said. Episode 5.0, The Initiation. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go Welcome to the fifth episode of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I am your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the fifth episode of Season 3, entitled The Initiation, which aired Thursday, October 19th, 2006. It's Pretzel Day in the Scranton Office Park, folks, and I'm jonesing for the works, along with Michael and Stanley. Pam, a snitch... Jim, master of psychological warfare, Bob Vance, a dick? Will Ryan be able to wrestle his fear to the ground? And oh, what a phone call. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about, so let's head on over to the water cooler. Your journey begins now. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me at the water cooler again this week is our junior sales associate, Ian Castleberry. What a pair of Marys. Hey, take it easy there, Bob. That's kind of mean. Yeah, I know. He's really turning kind of a bitter old guy. Um, so, Ian, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, except I got Asiago cheese and uh, cotton candy bits on my pretzel. I'm not feeling too good. <laughs> that doesn't sound too appetizing, my friend. I enjoyed my works pretzel uh, earlier, and I slept it off. So, time to ask the big heavy question. What would you think of the episode this week? I thought it was one-third of a good episode. One-third of a good episode. Them are fighting Yeah, words, I, I wasn't a big fan this week. Well, what parts did you not enjoy? Basically, any part involving Dwight and Ryan. Okay. This week. It just uh, didn't work for me. I was a little, uh, in a way, I'm relieved though because I, I thought, you know, as we've been doing this podcast, that I, you know, like every episode, and just one of these days, <laughs> I'm gonna have to say something I didn't like. Oh, uh, has finally arrived. You're off the show, I'm afraid. Next week, uh, you must like the show. No, okay. Well, why exactly did you? Uh, why didn't you enjoy those parts? Do you have a. It just, you know, it seemed a little cartoonish, a little over the top, which, um, I, I mean, I like that on other shows. It just didn't seem like a good fit to well, me. Well, I'll agree with you on that, because, I mean, it was really over the top, and it was it was very, mostly very physical, kind of... Real broad comedy, yeah. I don't know if that, that's not really what this, uh, what The Office is. Right. I mean, The Office generally, in you know, in my mind, the, the absolute best lines are usually, you know, it's, it's, it's verbal humor, obviously, instead of visual humor, which, especially on our show like this, the audio only, it doesn't really translate all that well. But um, Or it's something also that, you know, so many of us can relate to, you know, having worked in jobs like that. You know, I don't know how many of us relate to uh, being brought to a barn and being forced to wrestle <laughs> freakish <of> cousins. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that happened to me, actually, when I was working at the bank, but that's another story for another <laughs> day. Um, and any case, no, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, and the Michael stuff also, I, I think, was a little broad in that kind of category, but we'll get more into that later as we go down through the different plot lines. Now, I have to come out and say that um, I did enjoy the episode uh, more than you, obviously. The the Dwight stuff, to me, I mean, it was ridiculous and it was over the top, but I don't know. I just I found it funny enough that I was willing to, to let it go, not worry about it too much. And, and I can just, I really can't imagine Dwight, not necessarily that I can relate to it, but I can imagine that Dwight, as he is, would do something like that. So that helped kind of reach that gap. But it kind of raises the question of something uh, you and I talked about before we began recording, which is maybe the whole thing with the beet farm and Cousin Moe's, you know, is that stuff funnier just talked about and referenced to rather than shown? You know, like uh, Maris or uh, other unseen characters or story developments to other sitcoms over the years, you know? Maybe that stuff's funnier unseen. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that the other the other week as well when we were talking about Todd Packer, this kind of obnoxious guy. Would it have been funnier to make him this kind of larger-than-life guy that you just keep hearing stories about but never really see? You know, in that case, I think it worked out. And uh, in this case, I don't know. The whole farm and, and Cousin Moe's, definitely there's really not any kind of... It's not as creepy or, or whatever as you could have imagined it would have been. I mean, he's actually kind of a nice little guy <laughs> after he, after he uh, gets out of his wrestling singlet. You know, he's like, oh, well, Ryan seemed nice. <laughs> you know, I, it's just not quite as... Um, you know, your imagination makes things a lot weirder or stranger than any writer could do. So, you know, you might have a point there. But um, let's go ahead and get on into talking about these different plot lines. And I'm going to save the best for last, as they did in the episode. So let's start off with talking about the Dwight and Ryan plot line. So you excited? Yeah. Very excited? Yes. I'm very excited. Extremely excited? Just very. That's cool. I have spent a year here, and I have to commit or get out. So Dwight's the top salesman in the company and he's taking me on my first sales call today. And um, I'm excited. I am very excited. Ryan hasn't made a sale yet. But more importantly, he hasn't made an ally yet. Is he going to be a slacker, a loser, wise ass like Jim was? Or is he going to join the Dwight Army of Champions? I, well, I want to join the Dwight Army of Champions. I'm telling you, the DAC has offices everywhere, my friend. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so the plot line, as, let's just, you know, elucidate the plot line a little bit. You know, basically, we have Dwight, the head salesman, uh, Ryan, the new salesman who's never made a sale before, and he's looking for some help, some advice. Uh, you know, he's actually open to suggestions. Now, we were, again, before we were talking about this, and I was not sure, and I've watched all these episodes several times, and even after Dwight's speech, I was never quite sure what his best salesman honor applied to. Because it kind of sounded like in the Dwight Speech episode that it was just in the the Scranton region that he was the best salesman. But, uh, you know, Ryan says you know, he's the best salesman in the entire company. Does that seem believable to you? It doesn't, but I, I think that's just because Dwight seems so uh, freakish and off-putting in general. Like Maybe he just weirds people out into uh, buying paper. 
Yeah, that's you know again that's that's something that's kind of strange because you know you can see Michael. Michael's personality is so ingratiating, and he's just so uh, you know he wants to be liked, and and he's kind of a slick, smooth talking sort of guy. You can see him being does a great Bill Cosby imitation. Yeah, exactly. You could see him being a good salesman, but um, it's kind of hard. It, it really is kind of hard to imagine that that Dwight is kind of strange and uh, off-putting as he is could really win over so many people, you know, and and become the best salesman in the entire Dunder Mifflin company. But be that as it may, I'm sure we'll hear people comment on that as we uh, check our feedback this week. Interesting enough, if you remember from a a week or two ago, I played the clip that uh, BJ Novak had on The Tonight Show, and it was literally almost that same line right there, but uh, there was actually more dialogue to it in the original one that they show and he talked about how he'd uh you know he'd spent the year there and it was like he spent money or it's more like money fell out of his pocket felt like he's really wasting his time and so in ryan's mind you know this is a way to um to learn the ropes uh, to actually get out there get that all that zig ziglar salesman stuff and try to be I successful think I think that's something a lot of us can relate to. You know, we've been in jobs maybe that we didn't consider our real job, but, you know, you've been there long enough where maybe it has to become your real job and you just haven't. Maybe you should take that promotion because it would be more money. It would advance your career, yet you don't necessarily want to advance your career in that setting, so maybe you don't take that promotion. I think that's just Um, the the plight of our generation, Ian. yeah, I can you know I can easily relate to this as well. Believe it or not, man, one of my first jobs uh, when I was home from college was to uh, work for the Kirby Vacuum Cleaner Company, and uh, man, that was my, my one and only sales job that I ever had, and it was just horrendous. I hated every minute of it. It's not you know it's like not for me, not my uh, cup of tea, and it's exactly the same kind of stuff that they we saw in this episode with the um, you know use this kind of language and do this and do that and, and you know get, get, get your cold calls out there. It was just kind of like this really bizarre version of Glenn Gary Glenn Ross except with uh, vacuum cleaners. But it was just a job to you, right? You never thought, wow, you know, I hope I rise up and in 20 years I'll be. <laughs> Well, no, that's a, I mean, that's a different story for me. That was just like, I only worked there for about two months before I got sick of it. But uh, as I said before in previous podcasts, I, I worked uh, for a bank here in Milwaukee for about five years. And that was pretty much how I got started. I answered a temp ad and went through training. And, and, and just the next thing I knew, it was like four years later. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I was, I was not successful enough to actually get ahead in the company because I just didn't care. Kind of a bad situation. <laughs> And so maybe Ryan's just, you know, he's trying to find something to care about. Right. Well, just at least try to be successful. You know, if he's giving this much time, he wants to be successful. You know, and hats off to him. Now, unfortunately, probably chosen, as we said, one of the worst people possible to uh, align himself with because... I've seen this before. I was surprised that Dwight didn't bust out his, uh, you know, like, oh, my young Padawan learner line because he just seems to be relishing this whole, like, Obi-Wan kind of thing. A little too much. Maybe that's, you know, I would have enjoyed it more had he been wearing that Jedi robe. (laughs) Well, that was like his Halloween costume from last year. He came dressed as the Emperor. He could have had that on in the barn, I guess. (laughs) But uh, So on the way to the sales call, I mean, Dwight sees this whole thing as a learning exercise, a, a training situation where he has to, you know, kind of mold Ryan to become the salesman that uh, that he himself is. And part of what that leads into then is the unscheduled detour. Do you know where we are, Temp? I know where we're not. I hold in my hand a beet seed. Take it. 
And just as you have planted your seed in the ground, I am going to plant my seed in you. Oh, I think I know what you're saying. Smells pretty bad, doesn't it? Uh-huh. It's called bull crap. And a client can smell it from a mile away. Gotcha. Oh, hey, I forgot something in my car. I'll be right back. Okay. Of course. So there we go. It's one of the, I think, funnier lines of the show. I'm sorry. I've planted, I will plant my seed within you. No, oh, that just made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. <laughs> and as we, uh, as we were saying before, that, that Ryan's reaction to that line is, is very similar to uh, how um, uh, Michael would react to uh, Tobias on Arrested Development a lot of times. Right. I don't think you know what you're saying. You know, you ought to carry on a tape recorder and listen to yourself. You know, it occurred to me listening to that again, though, that maybe that's why Ryan didn't make the sale at Axelrod, because he smelled like manure. <laughs> smelled like bullcrap. Well, they they could smell it a mile away, as, as Dwight said. Um, and Ryan then is left there alone, you know, as part of his thing, and he has to walk the lonely road of loneliness, as Dwight says. Walks down the path to the um, the barn, and then this is the next step in his progress. Welcome to Shroot Farm! It is time for your next test. Look, man, I was in a frat in college, so I know what you're doing. Do you know what your problem is? You know why you haven't made any sales? Because you think you know everything. You have to trust that maybe there are other people that can teach you things. Are you ready to learn? Yeah. Come on! Please be seated. What is Michael Scott's greatest fear? Um, loneliness. Maybe women. Wrong. He's not afraid of anything. Also, I would have accepted snakes. Fear is what it's all about. You cannot sell while undergoing fear. You need to vanquish fear. One must wrestle fear to the ground. You will now wrestle my cousin Mo. No, okay, all right, all right. It's wrestle over. him to the this ground. This is over, okay? No, just, no. you're a freak. Fun. I'm not doing this anymore. This is over. Ryan, Goodbye. Don't, Ryan, you don't have to wrestle him. Ryan, get in the car. Ryan. Bye, Ryan. You seem nice. So there we go. Again, a couple of things, interesting things in that uh, that line. One of the things is, though, you know, amidst all this kind of gobbledygook initiation, you know, hazing crap, uh, Dwight does offer some words of wisdom and some interesting... Yeah, there was some good advice in there. ...insight. And, and the main thing in that line is, you know, again... Ryan thinks that he is better than them, thinks he's superior, and that he's always kind of had that attitude uh, in the first two seasons that he's separate from the office and doesn't want to be a part of the office and and just doesn't you know doesn't want to get mixed up with those guys and you know and Dwight calls him on it, good advice, and Ryan's smart enough to kind of open himself up and say, okay, all right, I'll, I'll keep going along with it, and unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately uh, those you know his. Uh, Reasoning skills probably were better off. Uh, he would have left a little earlier than that. But, you know, faced with the prospect of having to wrestle Cousin Moe's, a.k.a. fear, to the ground. Um, I still, and I know you find that too broad and kind of ridiculous, but I don't know, man. There's just something about that that kicks on the little, uh, or, you know, the orchestral operatic music. And his little cousin comes out there in his long johns with the word fear written on it. Starts getting in the little wrestling pose. It was, it was funny, man. You know, it's so outlandish. 
<laughs> well, I can only imagine like what the how, how does Dwight's thought process work that he just imagines that some guy would would put himself through this. Or having to go through a sales call later after having wrestled in the hay with yeah, and and planted uh, beet seeds in the bull crap out in the out in the yard. Oh man, I don't know. I guess in Dwight's mind, he envisioned uh, quite a different scenario. So <laughs> I think that says a lot about uh, Dwight's mindset. And also, a couple another good line that I liked in there is where he says, "What's Michael Scott's greatest fear?" And uh, he says, "No, he's not afraid of anything." But I would also accept snakes. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dwight, Dwight, Dwight. All right. I also think you know it, it's kind of interesting because one of the things then that uh, you know as Ryan refuses to wrestle cousin Moe's and he and he leaves and he basically says you know you're a freak. I'm not going to deal with you anymore. And that struck me as a, a mirror of a line that we get a little bit later on in the back in the office when Kelly and Angela are conversing in the break room. I can't believe that Ryan is not back yet. Where could they be? Cells take a long time. Oh my god, I'm so worried. I'm sure Dwight will protect him. I don't know. Dwight's so weird. He's not weird. He's just individualistic. No, he's a freak. You're a freak! So how much longer are they going to be able to pull this off? I mean, without anybody knowing anything's going on between these two? Good question, although, you know, people probably just have a hard time imagining uh, Dwight and Angela together. Well, either yeah. of them with somebody else. Sort of, well, especially with them together. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, definitely is one of those things that you don't really want to picture in your mind as uh, Jim and Pam had to wrestle with last season. So All again, the scenarios that either of them have in their mind, though, like Kelly imagines, you know, like Ryan somehow being eaten to death on a beet farm while Angela imagines Dwight, maybe shirtless, protecting him. <laughs> Yeah, so I will protect him. Like, what could possibly, what, what could happen? I mean, I don't know. That's a good point that you bring up. Like, why would you be worried about it? I mean, what, uh, I don't know. Yeah, really, what could happen? I mean. He's beat to death by, you know, angry uh, sales purchasers or something. I don't know. Pretty strange. Um, but anyway, we get back to the uh, the main plot line with with Dwight and Ryan and after this whole thing kind of blows up in Dwight's face you know again we get to see this sort of more human side of Dwight as he picks up Ryan along the side of the road and tries to explain to him why he did what he did. She's still mad. It's just Jim and I didn't get along and I didn't want it to be that way again. You know I wanted us to be a team. An unstoppable team that competed against other teams. Look, that, that's not what I wanted, okay? I just wanted to go on a sales call. Oh, screw gun. The sales call. I love that. It's screw gun. That's going to become my <laughs> new expletive of choice, I think. But again, so we get this more insightful you know, view into, Dwight, into Dwight's mind. Now, is he seriously trying to reach out and, uh, and be friends with Ryan? He seems to want a friend. Well, that was the one line I didn't play from before when he was in the barn, where he said, he's talking about Cousin Moe's, and he says, uh, yeah, Mo, Cousin Moe's will always be my best friend, unless this thing with Ryan works out, and then I'll be seeing a lot less of Cousin Moe's. Right. <laughs> so obviously he is trying to be uh, be friends with, with Ryan, and brings up an interesting point, because we, we argued about that a couple weeks ago, about, you know, are Jim and Dwight really friends underneath um, and I don't know, based on this, I guess I probably would say it doesn't really sound like they are. Yeah, maybe it's more that they want to be friends, or at least Dwight kind of wanted to be friends with Jim, and maybe even Jim 
would want to be friends with Dwight, you know, like in another universe or something like that. <laughs> yeah, in the alternate universe where they are allies and buddies. And I think, again, it is kind of interesting that they keep, he keeps using that word, you know, I, I want a, an ally, a, a team. Uh, again, it harkens back to kind of Dwight's philosophy of, uh, you know, that he's some kind of corporate warrior or something there. And, Again, it also goes back to the episode from way back from season one where they had the, uh, he's so concerned with, you know, making allies and he sees business as a, uh, you know, survivor as a metaphor for life in the office for him. And right, he's, he's probably read his Sun Tzu. <laughs> and he's got to make his alliances uh, where he can. And this goes back to what we've always been talking about is how the U.S. version of the, the office, they really go out of their way to not really paint anyone as a one-dimensional character. Michael could be a one-dimensional fool, but every couple episodes we get a shot of him doing something good or something that he's supposed to be doing. And this is really, I guess, the first... Well, I guess the Dwight, Dwight speech episode was the first time that we saw Dwight really being competent at something. And we're getting, and then we get that again, because as they're driving to the sales call, once Dwight cuts all the bull crap, he actually starts giving out some good advice. Establish time frames. Keep the phrase real dollars in their head. And always keep the power in the conversation. That's why you're losing them on the cold calls. Because you say the word please too much. Wait, can you go Michael back? always says K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Great advice. Hurts my feelings every time. Okay, I'm going to establish time frames. Good. I'm going to put everything in terms of real dollars. Right. I'm going to ask a lot of questions that all have sort of positive answers. Uh -huh. say, that would be better. We would like that. That's exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, sure. I'm going to try to be confident, but not cocky. They really didn't like me. They did not. They didn't have to say it to your face. I don't get what I did wrong. Not everything's a lesson, Ryan. Sometimes you just fail. It's those online paper jerks. The whole business is changing. You know what? They're going to be screwed once this whole internet fad is over. Couple, a bunch of good things in there. Again, Dwight busts out his actual valuable salesman advice. And, uh, and Ryan's sharp enough to realize that, oh, hey, maybe I should be writing this stuff down. I'm sorry. I was just thinking, we're screwed once this Internet fad uh, <laughs> passes, too. Yeah, once this podcasting fad goes, goes the way of the dodo. But there was, I thought there was kind of a, a really good line of, of uh, nurturing. But, you know, like when uh, Ryan's really down about blowing the sale and... Uh, He's wondering why, and Dwight says, well, not everything's a lesson, you know, sometimes you just fail, which uh, I guess that's something I would think you'd have to accept as a salesman, you know, you have to accept rejection. You're going to get doors figuratively or literally slammed in your face, Right, that's and a good you just got to bounce back and go to the next one, you know? People, yeah, again, I mean, that's one of the things, if, if you're not willing to face rejection, you cannot be a salesperson, so... I've learned that the hard way. My feelings are a little too sensitive, I guess. I can't... Uh, How many vacuum cleaners did you sell, by the way? <laughs> I think I sold about three in about two months. And one of them was to my grandparents, so... My favorite line from that clip that we just played was the, <laughs> the thing where he says, Michael always says, keep it simple, stupid. It's great advice, but it hurts my feelings every time. <laughs> so again, like you said, you know, that's one of the things... You know, he gives them good advice, gives them good pointers... And, and lets them know that, uh, you know, you got to take your lumps and live to fight another day. So, Dwight, was Dwight a good mentor? Well, you know, maybe he shouldn't have, uh, but maybe he shouldn't uh, throw eggs next time. <laughs> Although, pretty good aim. It hit the CEO's parking sign. Um, so, anyway, after they, uh, they go through that and they kind of go to cool off, and we have this other scene where they're, they're at the bar together, and... Um, Kind of have another moment again where where they bond and where Dwight sort of turns a corner in their relationship. Jim, 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 Jim,
think that temp agency could have sent you anywhere. I think about that all the time. So I think I, I find that kind of interesting because, you know, they're sitting there slamming down, uh, I don't know, what did we decide? Those were Boilermakers. And, um... <laughs> And of course, his, Ryan is the college guy, the frat guy. He like drinks Dwight under the table. Dwight gets like one sip down and, and kind of pusses out and, and can't finish drinking it. But he starts cheering for Ryan. And again, the, the kind of interesting point where he turns the corners after the last two and a half you know seasons, he's been referring to Ryan as Temp. Hey, Temp, what's going on, Temp? And and you know the initiation has been successful, and so now he's no longer the Temp. Dwight can refer to him by his given name. Martin Sang wrote in an email to me and asked, uh, so are Ryan and Dwight friends now? So what do you think about that? Well, that's a good question. I mean, he, when you see Ryan come back to the office at the end of the episode, he seems strangely, uh, you know, like, hey, that wasn't so bad. Like, you know, they did have some of a, somewhat of a bonding experience, it appears. Well, I kinda... uh, as far as whether they can be friends, ugh, who knows? That's interesting that you say that because I kind of had a different a different opinion that that he sort of felt like he came back in just feeling totally beaten and bedraggled and like frustrated and and maybe drunk or I don't know what because Pam's like Ryan are you okay <laughs> I don't well, he know to have to me he seemed to have surprise in his voice when he answered like yeah strangely no that that could be have to go back and watch it for a fifth time. We'll see what, <laughs> what the other people have to say about that. Um, you know, I, but the question is, will Kelly let Ryan be friends with Dwight? Well, you know what? The, the thing is, are Ryan and Dwight friends? I mean, no way. Because Ryan is kind of that you know, 20-something college partying kind of guy. And um, you know, he's, he, he would never call up or hang out with Dwight in any kind of social situation. Now, you know, might he be res- might he have grudging respect for him, uh, or you know, be a little friendly at work? Uh, yeah, I could see that. I don't I don't think they're gonna be hanging out on the beef farm anytime soon. Let's uh, before we get back into back into Michael's plot line, let's uh, let's go over to the Stanford office because again, once again, the entire Stanford office plot line can be summarized in under a minute. My chair's squeaking. Is it? You took my chair. No, I didn't. I took back the chair that you took from me, but I didn't take your chair. When you get up, I'm just gonna take it back anyway, so... So I guess I can't get up. Hey, Big Tuna, can I talk to you for a second? Sure. Can you stand up and talk to me over there? That's it? That's what you came up with? I'm acting my heart out here. Really? Yeah. Love me, love me, say that you love me, fool me, fool me, go on and fool me, love me, love me, say that you love me, fool me, fool me, go on and fool me, love me, love me, this is not a proportionate response. Oh man, here comes treble indeed, my friend. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Well, you know, the part that I didn't put in there that at the end is because it's totally visual is just simply the fact that uh, you know at the end of the day, then Andy is the one that winds up with the squeaky chair while uh, right. Jim and Karen look on in in amusement and then pretend to be busy. Um, I don't know what. Now, I love this scene with with Jim singing "Love Fool." I, I thought that it was just hilarious. The 
the look on his face, you know, he's so deadpan. Like he's actually somehow like he's actually concentrating on his work while he's uh singing, well, he's singing in a falsetto, yeah. That's uh yeah. I don't know. I, I I like Karen's line. That is not a proportionate response. No. <laughs> I, I, you know she has what? No idea who she's dealing with. I know. What is it about that song, though, man? I don't know. I because you, you mentioned on the blog post that you, you had that stuck in your head after that episode. Was that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't get out of my head all Friday. <laughs> That's kind of funny because I didn't even think about it at all. So it didn't work on me his uh his mind tricks were useless yeah i like how karen also tried you know she thought she could uh get at him with the squeaking and you know you're inc- we're increasingly getting the feeling that she'd like to get something else squeaking with jim oh no you didn't i can't believe you oh, went there i know you know how long it took me to think of that oh <laughs> not long enough or maybe it's just me thinking of it i don't know <laughs> not that long enough <laughs> Uh, well, perhaps that uh, that for me. I mean, I know that you enjoyed that scene a lot more, and I, again, kind of like how I was last week with the, the the whole chip hunt thing. The the scenes in Stanford, you know, they're kind of amusing on the surface, but they're just they to me it's just kind of a little hollow, just simply because it's just like I said, it's the same shtick with a different cast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just I don't know, it, it, it's just a little not as funny, not as interesting as if that would be going on in the in the Scranton office because you can just you know you could read you could write that whole scene over and over again and just have it be Pam and Jim and Dwight but it's a new office you know like, kind of like we said you know you go and you try the same material with a new audience right so to speak yeah but I sort of just you know I wish that they had a little more different personalities a little more different than the other ones in the office because, like I said, their their relationship between those three characters had just so quickly turned into um, almost a direct mirror of the other characters that uh, it might be a little more interesting if it went a different direction. So let's go back over and uh, and talk about the Michael plotline for this episode. And it kind of starts off a little something like this. Tell me what you did yesterday. Uh, nothing. Nothing? Yeah, nothing. How was your day? I don't care how your day was, Michael. Wow. I don't care how your day was either, Jan. I was just asking you because you asked me. Why Tell did you me set me up you like yesterday. that? I worked. And then I went home to my condo, and Carol came over, and we had sex. Is that what you want to hear? Never, ever, ever sleep with your boss. I'm so lucky that Jan and I only got to second base. Hi, Pam. Hi. So, Pam, I'd like you to keep a log of everything Michael does hour by hour so that we can analyze it at corporate, okay? Oh, I don't know, It's weird. Jan used to treat Michael like he was a 10-year-old, but lately it's like he's five. And this goes back to what we talked about last week when we were uh, referring to that interview in TV Guide with Melora Harden here that plays Jan. Um, Man, their dialogue between the two of them is just getting more and more, like, confrontational and, and just... You know, Michael's not taking any crap from her. He gives it right well, back. And she's just, like, barely contained herself. I mean, that, I think you cut it out of the, of the clip there, but, like, when she goes over to Pam's desk and she's just like, great, thanks, without you yeah. know, Pam even asking. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it, too. I mean, <laughs> just Michael's like, he's so clueless, you know. He's like, and then Carol came over and we had sex. Are you happy? <laughs> Is that what you wanted to hear? Yeah, exactly what he should have said. And she, obviously then she is, um, she is picking, like we said before, she is picking on him. And as right. Laura Harden said about her character, you know, Jan's mad. She's uh, jealous about this whole thing or, or some kind of 
you know, whatever her emotions are, definitely there. She's taking something out on him, definitely. But, um, you know, and, and that's the thing that's kind of kind of crazy about this plot line is that Jan turns Pam into, like, a corporate snitch uh, to, to rat on Michael, to record what he's doing hour by hour. Uh, that's Which pretty hard. she sort of relishes at first. I don't know. She, she's, when, when Jan first broaches the subject, she is like, you know, well, that's not really my job, you know. And, and like you said, she's like, okay, thanks, goodbye. And she does it, and, and she's kind of writing things down. And I think that's part of what uh, she gets a charge out of the office, sort of kind of making fun of her or seeing the dumb things that Michael does. During yeah, the day. She's, getting, she's getting fun out of it. So it is kind of fun at first, but then she really starts to look out for him as we go on. Now, <laughs> this is the other plot, the, the other part of this plot line. So, okay, that's the main plot line. Michael's getting watched, and everything he does is being recorded for this day. Now, we had him see, we saw him before, like, on the phone, and the first thing that Pam writes down that he does is that he goes on the phone with someone and does a, a Bill Cosby impersonation. Um, and that's uh, that's pure gold. I mean, definitely pure gold. Uh, the second part of his day, though, um, ties into this. Attention Scranton Business Park. There will be complimentary pretzels available in the lobby from now until 4 o'clock as a thank you to our loyal tenants. Once a year, they bring in a little cart and they give away free pretzels. It's really not a big deal. To some people, it is. Productivity is important, but how can I be productive if I have this one little thing in my brain that I cannot get out, and that one little thing is a soft pretzel? I wake up every morning in a bed that's too small, drive my daughter to a school that's too expensive, and then I go to work to a job for which I get paid too little. But on pretzel day, well, I like pretzel day. I don't know, what does that say? A lot of people, myself included, have just thought this is really a great Stanley episode. I don't think we've ever seen this guy smile as much as we've seen him smile about Pretzel Day. <laughs> I don't know. What does that say about him? Well, it's just like all of us. We have these things we get enjoyment out, out of, right? Well, the small things. That's what life is. It's all the crap, but just getting <laughs> those little moments of joy is what makes it all worth it again like you said before these are you know you imagine you know when you're working in, in an office or like even now you know i work in a school and when somebody brings in like a batch of cookies or or you go to a meeting and they have donuts or something you know people are just like vultures over that stuff it's like any little freebie that you can get from your crappy job people are all over it so it makes total sense to me. You know, I just love that beautific look on Stanley's face, though, when he's just waxing poetic about Pretzel Day. He's so happy, you know. He shoots up from his desk. I know. As soon as the announcement is made, he's like the first one out, and he's down the stairs with Michael. Like a little boy running down the stairs on Christmas. <laughs> and I gotta feel bad for the guy. I mean, he has like he gives us this big litany of all his problems, even in a bed too small. Even in a too small bed, you know, but that pretzel, that one day a year, man, that's that's what he looks forward to. And how, you know, how long does that moment even last, you know? Hopefully Stanley doesn't scarf down that pretzel. I'm sure he makes it. and savors it. I'm sure he makes it last all day. Now, unfortunately, we didn't get to know what kind of stan- what kind of toppings that Stanley chose for yeah. that pretzel. Is he a sweet or a salty guy? Yeah, is he a sweet or salty man? Does he go for the cheese, the chocolate, the... Cotton candy tidbits, the M and M's, the fudge drizzle—who knows? It's all up in the air, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so Michael again, you know, in his mind, it's it, you know he has he has to get a pretzel because otherwise, right, yeah, never, it's all on your mind. He'll never be able to concentrate on doing any of his work. So he heads on downstairs to make that happen. You know, the funniest thing about this is just how petty 
that Michael and Stanley are so important to them that uh, they'll let nothing stand in their way. Hey, 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 Phyllis, what are you doing? I'm just saying hi to Bob. No, I think you're cutting in line. Well, settle down, Scott. Uh, no, I'm not going to uh-uh. settle down. No way, uh-uh. Get mm-hmm. in the back, please. Boom. Boom. Back in line. Thank you. That's right. Mm-hmm. What a pair of Marys. This is pretzel day. I just love that. That's it. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. The rules are different. This is pretzel day. <laughs> no cuts, man. Out the window. There's no room for love. Uh, well, yeah, it's just strictly by the rules, man. No cuts in line at all. It's just, uh, I don't know. I find... They had to wait. So should Phyllis. And that was one of the things I mentioned that, uh, man, I know Bob Vance is defending his fiance, but... Man, his, yeah, reaction, on his, girl. his reaction to those guys is, just seems so out of character based on how uh, how much of like a milk toast kind of nice guy that he's been the last two seasons. I was a little surprised to have him call him a bunch of Marys. Oh, man. And that's, you know, the other thing that I loved about that scene. It's just that, you know, as we've seen, every almost every week, whenever Michael does something, um, like last week in grief counseling, right, when... Uh, what was Stanley's reaction when he wanted when Michael wanted him to, to play the ball game? You remember that? Where he threw it right back at him? Yeah, he says, I am not doing that. He threw it at him, and then he's like, you know, you spit on my face. Yeah. He hates Michael. Well, I don't know if he hates him, but he cannot stand Michael on a day-to-day basis. And then the pretzel line, you know, the, they find allies in each other by booting Phyllis out of the pretzel line. And they actually give each other a high five, and they're like going, yeah, yeah, that's right. Boo. It's like at the end of Return of the Jedi when Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker kind of team up against the Emperor, you know? Oh, man, yeah. I told you you're a nerd. <laughs> In any case. You know, and so that's that was my probably one of my favorite parts of that episode right there is the Stanley and Michael working together for the greater good of getting a pretzel. Now, as we've seen, like I said, Pam is unwittingly... And you know, trying to be this enforcer or snitch, writing down all what's Mike, what Michael's doing. So after he's been waiting in the pretzel line for a good hour or whatever, Pam comes downstairs to try to uh, cajole him or try to help him out. Michael. No cuts. Oh, Pam. Just the woman I'd like to see. You read my mind. Great. I thought uh, you might want to use this time to authorize some checks. I thought that maybe you could wait in line for me while I go to the bathroom. You're an angel. Hey. Why don't you just go up to your office, get some work done, and I'll bring you a pretzel. Because I like them a certain way, and if it gets screwed up, then this whole thing's blown. You know, I just think it's really important that you be productive today. Pam, productivity starts with patience and determination. I'll be back. Now, I don't... Again, just, you know, she's trying so hard to... Who's uh, really running that office? <laughs> uh, yeah, always... They always say the secretary, right? The receptionist yeah. in this case... She's trying so hard to uh, to get him to do something. Now, I, I'm not really sure why she doesn't just come right out and say to him that, uh, hey, Jan made me make a list of what you're supposed to be doing. So uh, she doesn't go that far, but she tries to cajole him into uh, getting something done, which, of course, doesn't ever work. You can't be subtle with Michael Scott. Here's <laughs> another thing. This is, again, this this next thing. When Michael finally gets to the front of the pretzel wagon line, Man, his mind is just blown, and the look on his face is just... Oh, he's so confused, and this guy goes off in his little speech. Thank you. Hi, please tell me you have a sweet pretzel left. We do. Thank God. 
And we have 18 different toppings. We have sweet glaze, cinnamon sugar, chocolate, white chocolate, fudge, M&M's, caramel dip, mint chip, chocolate chip, marshmallows, nuts, toffee nuts, coconut, peanut butter, drizzle, Oreo, sprinkles, cotton candy bits, and powdered sugar. Is there any way that you could do all, all of them? The works, you got it. All right. Thank you. Man, you, you, if you can picture this in your mind, when when that guy's reading off that litany of toppings for the pretzels, Michael's eyes, like his face is just, he's just so enraptured. He's like so confused and, and trying to take yeah, it all yeah. in. And so I thought I said he couldn't remember them all, so he just said, can I have all of them? Well, that's probably part of it, but you know. Oh, my stomach's just... Churning. It's a typical Michael Scott thing too. Just like you know, he's like he's like a little kid. You know, as he said before, you know, he's like a five or ten year old or what have you sometimes. And and that's just it. You know, he wants. <laughs> can I have all of them? And uh, yeah, it's his fondest dream come true that this guy gives him his with the works pretzel. I wish I could have seen a picture of what that thing would have looked like. Oh, to no, tell you the no. truth, that's <laughs> that's got to be crazy. I mean, peanut butter drizzle with. Uh, other weird things that they mentioned. <sighs> I'm hoping that it was like on different sections of the pretzel or something, but <laughs> pretty nasty. Now, you know, you were saying before that you didn't really buy into or you, you thought the Dwight and Ryan stuff was too broad. Um, well, I kind of, I mean, I, 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 again, I'll disagree with your take on that, but I, this, uh, this scene that we're going to play right now after Michael eats the pretzel, this to me was a little bit kind of ridiculous. I thought it was a little too much over the top. Hey everyone, I am officially streamlining the efficiency of this corporation. Second. Second. I Yes, second Toby. Second, I am insisting on increased accountability from every single one of you. Account Michael, what's going on? And I will be taking questions. Did you have a lot of sugar today, Michael? What's in your suit? Caramel dip. But one question at a time, please. Phyllis! Stanley, I want you to switch desks. I'm going to reorganize and restructure the physical layout of the office to maximize everything. I think we're getting a lot done, don't you? On paper, at least. And we are, after all, a paper company. Are we not? Are we not? Are we not? Are you with me? Are you with me? Thank you very much. So again, that was, to me, that was just like a little too ridiculous. And it was too, a little too clear. You know, like I said, Pam even comes out and says it. Like, like you know, like she's talking to a child. Michael, did you have too much sugar today? You know, and he's acting just kind of like a maniac. And he's running around. And he's doing like step aerobics in, in, his, uh, in his office. And, you know, comes out with this crazy plan how he's going to reorganize the entire office. And, and then, you know, of course, the gag is like five minutes later, he's zonked out sleeping on his desk. So, I don't know. I mean, did that, did that scene work for you, or did you find that a little too ridiculous? It did work for me, because it just reminded me of the times whenever you hear some great idea or new plan from management, and you're like, oh, God, how is this going to affect me? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm kind of going through that right now in our school district. We're just, you, know, you, you always kind of sort of hope that you outlast the, uh, the management. The only difference is that you know, they don't tell you that plan in 10 seconds. <laughs> well, that's about how much time that they put into it, I think, in our district, but... In any case, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like you hope that, uh, all right, yeah, hopefully he'll just get bored with this and, and we won't have to do anything, which turns out to be the case. Of course, we have this whole episode of Michael being a dope, of Pam writing down these like ridiculous things that he's been doing all day, and we know that, oh man, he's going to get in trouble, he's going to be uh, reamed out by Jan, he's going to get fired, but like always, uh, Michael saves himself at the last minute. Hey, what time is it? 20 past 5. Hey, we're Pam. PM. Oh, good. These came for you. Contract, <clears throat> Brent Caselli. Oh, Caselli, with the jello. This is a huge sale. Yes, right. Good. 
Night, Michael. Good night. So again, we talked about like every you know every week we like I said before we talk about this how Michael's a fool, but then he comes through with kind of a deal. So yet again, we have that popping up in this episode where you know oh gee why is michael talking somebody about bill cosby and the crazy cosby accent well of course it turns out that he made some huge sale at the end so he's his foolish ways have once again you know been uh not his downfall get jan off his back (laughs) i know you know and this may sound ridiculous and again i don't i don't mean to nitpick the show because i you know i enjoyed it and, and I enjoyed in other episodes, like I enjoyed in the convention where everyone was picking on Michael and then he kind of came through with a, with a deal. For some reason, it's almost getting like I'm expecting it now. Like I almost knew that this was going to happen from the very beginning of the episode, that that one call was the only thing he did all day was somehow going to turn into uh, something that saved his butt at the end of the day. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if it keeps up. Well, I don't need him to be, you know, I don't want him to be incompetent all the time. But it's just, it's almost like it's, you know, if it's too predictable, if the show's too easy, it's going to lose a couple of points in my mind. But even so, I mean, again, proves that Michael's the ultimate uh, salesman, and with a good Jell-O pudding pop impersonation, he can sell a lot of paper. Let's quit talking about all this crap, because let's face it, I was going to say, you know what, they had to establish that that everything was okay, because there were bigger fish to fry in the episode. Yeah, let's let, let's get all this other garbage out of the way, because let's face it right now, this this what we're going to talk about and play right now, this is the heart of the episode, and this is what we've all been waiting for. Dunder Mifflin. Uh, hey. Oh my god. Hi. Hi. Sorry, I forgot Kevin's extension. And I was, I was just going to go through the system because I didn't think you'd be there. Why, why are you still there? I had to work late. Jan's making me keep a log of everything Michael does all day. Wow. Do you think you could send me a copy of that? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> what time is it there? Um, we're in the same time zone. How far away did you think we were? I don't know. It felt far. Yeah. I have a question for you. What? How many words per minute does the average person type? I type 90. Shut up. Mavis Beacon doesn't even type 90. It's true. Okay, I said average. 70? How many do you type? <laughs> Forget it. I was just about to brag. Forget it. Oh, come on. No. Tell me. No. You have to tell me now. 65. So, okay, I'm watching the movie... By myself. Right. Because I just wanted a relaxing evening at home. Okay. And I'm freaking out. Yeah. That movie is so scary. I know. But I'm holding on because I keep waiting for Sandra Bullock to show up. How do you confuse 28 Days with 28 Days Later? Because I got it at Blockbuster and they don't put the pictures on the box. No. You're you're making this up. Would I make that up? Yes. Fancy New Beasley would make that up. New apartment, new stories. Oh, yeah, my fancy new apartment. I have one bedroom, one bathroom, and a closet. And how many kitchens? I have one kitchen. Wow, you got totally taken <laughs> for a ride, Beasley. It's actually... Most apartments these days have, like, three. <laughs> three kitchens? Yes. How are you going to cook every meal of the day in one kitchen? Hey, Ryan, are you okay? Ma'am? Yeah. Um... Okay, bye. Oh, yeah, I, sh- I should probably, I should probably go oh, too. Oh, no, I was, um... I don't know, that, um... You have to go? Yeah. Oh, no, I should probably go too. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Bye, Pam. Bye, Jim. Got a little tear in my eye there. <sighs> Bob, uh, Bob Vance can call me in, uh, a Mary all he wants, but that really did, and again, you know what the thing is, like, uh, that, uh, that ending scene, it just, it hit me That's- in my heart 
with like that frozen flesh. Scene, yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it except it was strangely powerful. I was like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, God, this is great. Yeah, it, I mean, so good. And it wasn't. And the thing is, I what I what I came to the conclusion was that all since episode one of season three, we've been like bitching about. Well, there's no contact. There's no contact. They're not talking to each other. They're not making any mention of each other. They're not even, you know, referring to each other. And you know what? And this, the fact that they never did that and the fact that we'd gone like four or five weeks without any kind of contact really made this mean something. It really made Yeah, wasn't it so much more powerful? I mean, if that had happened in the second episode, it just wouldn't have been the same. I mean, you really felt that they hadn't talked to each other for a long time. I guess in the preview commercials they showed them talking to each other, but I, I like I was I normally don't watch all that much TV during the week and I didn't watch any of the promos, so I almost I like I didn't even really know that this was going to happen to tell you the truth when this episode started because I didn't, I usually don't like to spoil myself. So I was actually surprised, you know, after going through all that other stuff, all the whole episode and then to kind of end on that, I was I was surprised and it, it really was an emotional again, an emotional kind of feeling. Uh, and it meant something, the fact that we hadn't had any contact for such a long time. I'm not sure if you seeing the promo would have mattered. I saw the promo. I knew they were going to talk. I mean, I didn't know, you know, how it was going to play out. But, I mean, it still just, like, made me want to watch it over and over. Yeah, I mean, it's just the conversation is just so natural. And it's like you can totally imagine that going on. <laughs> Pam's reaction when she first realized it was Jim to me was so real. You know, oh my god. Uh, oh my god, you know, you could also could have imagined maybe her just screaming and hanging up, you know, because <laughs> she's just not ready. But there's some great lines in there. I mean, like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like, I remember when I was in middle school or whatever, the freaking uh, Mavis Beacon teaches typing, whatever, like on the Apple II. <laughs> I, I had to Google Mavis Beacon. Oh, man, yeah. say. I got that right away, and I was like, oh, my God, that was a great line. And um, just, uh, you know, 28 days versus 28 days later, I kept waiting for Sandra Bullock to show up <laughs> in the zombie film. Uh, Although, you know, in a way, I thought that was kind of, at first I thought, oh, that, that was kind of dumb. But that, in a way, that kind of explains something for Pam's character. You know, like, maybe she's always been, you know, like if she went to the video store with Roy, you know, like Roy would have been there to explain it or just pick out the movie or whatever, you know. But now she's alone. She's picking out. I know, fancy uh, new Beasley has fancy new movie membership. But yeah, I mean, it's great. And there's it, some really great banter. And the only part of it that I really didn't like and, and that rang kind of false to me was just the ending of the conversation. Yeah, that seemed a little unrealistic. Like, Was it, was it Martin who said on the uh, blog, you know, doesn't she know how to put somebody on hold? Or Yeah, I mean, she's a, re- she's a receptionist, right? All it would have taken was just a little, um, no, I was just talking to Ryan comment yeah exactly i guess you know but maybe things were just still so awkward and well we couldn't yeah, have it know, they, we, we have to make it so that there's a little more conflict they can't just have it all be hunky-dory yeah right away it, after it one close though I, I feel funny saying that you know it was so real you know since we're talking about a scripted television show but to me it just felt that way you know it was awkward and you know they didn't know how to handle it and then they just kind of fell into their comfort level once they remembered oh yeah you know these guys are great friends and they just fell into their their regular routine and kind of learning to to get to know each other all over again because things have definitely changed yeah and definitely like we said um you know, we figured this out a long time ago. I mean, it's been like several months, at least five, six months or something like that, maybe. 
yeah. I think since the episode, you know, since they actually had uh, last seen each other or talked to each other, so you know, it is a big deal, and it and it really it it helped us to feel that. And like you said, if it would have been the second or th- you know even the third episode or something that they they talked to each other, it wouldn't have had that same impact. And hopefully, a lot I know a lot of the uh, people rooting for the Jim Pam relationship uh, were quite happy with this scene. So all I'm, the shippers, jammers, pimmers. Yeah, let's not go there. I, I don't want to. I, I really uh, hate no, the, All I'm saying is that they got, you know, if right. they got what they want. Right. We, we got what we wanted a little bit, um, and uh, I think that we're pretty much happy. And I know at least for me that uh, that scene really made me kind of trust the writers maybe more than I had been in the past. Yeah, like they, okay, yeah, like they, they know what they're doing. They're going to handle this right. So we can only hope for the best. Um but all in all, yeah, and you mentioned at the very beginning of the episode that uh, you thought one-third of the episode was, was really good, and I'm assuming that that was the one-third that you're talking that about. That was the third, yep. Yeah, it, it is. It's totally say the episode. And it is weird, because like we said, you know, I got I watched that whole episode, and I, it, you know, it, it just seemed like everything was over with, and this kind of came out of nowhere as, uh, as sort of a breath of fresh air. And yeah, it really was the best part of the whole episode. Now, let's go on over to the deleted scenes this week, and... Ian, we talked about this last week that we didn't have very many, and this week is even worse. I think there's like 30 seconds worth of deleted scenes. Dwight is taking Ryan on a sales call today. So if we find Ryan's body in a heavily wooded area tomorrow, I owe Jim $30. It's an old bet, but deal's a deal. I once saw a movie called Training Day. It starred an African-American and Ethan Hawke. In it, the African-American trains Ethan Hawke with various tests and trials. Today, Ryan is Ethan Hawke, and I am the African-American. Get in the car. I don't have a key. Don't you realize the key is inside you? And just to point out that last scene there where he says the key is inside you, that's uh, another totally visual joke where Dwight does that little BS magician, pulls the key out from behind Ryan's ear. The, the funniest part, and I will say that the, the one scene there where he's talking about training day, I do think that is a good scene, and I think it really kind of describes Dwight as, uh, you know, it's, it's it's almost like he's racist, but not really. I mean, he's like too clueless to be racist, sort of. Yeah, he's that's just, what I was thinking. Is like, what, is Dwight racist here? Or is, uh, I don't know. He doesn't know, you know, he just doesn't, or he just doesn't pay any attention, you know. He doesn't know uh, who Denzel Washington is. Or like, <laughs> there's some archetype, you know, the African-American. Yeah, I am the African American, and Ryan is Ethan Hawke. So somehow he knows Ethan Hawke's name, you know. But <laughs> he loves Ethan Hawke, but uh, Denzel just kind of slipped under his radar, I guess. And I, and I can see again why they took that out. Maybe that would have come off uh, the wrong way. Maybe that would have rubbed people the wrong way to have, like we just said, you know, oh, is Dwight a racist? You know, what's yeah, going on? yeah. And I guess you, you could say, like I said, I, I choose to see it's more of an ignorance kind of thing because he lives on a, let's say, basically he lives out in the country on a beet farm and, uh, you know, around Amish country. So maybe he just hasn't seen a whole lot of brothers. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. But, yeah, you could you could see where maybe that could get misinterpreted a little bit. And I also can tell why they cut out that line with Pam because if you would have had that Jim reference in there, I think, again, it would have really taken away from the ending. Right, and it makes it sound like, you know, yeah, she'd call up Jim, you know, hey, I owe you 30 bucks. Yeah, I mean, it just, 
because it was it was just brilliant how there's absolutely no mention of each other for that whole episode, and then that the call really really came through and uh, and really felt like we said really meant something. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, and this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. All the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, news this week. Um, last week I talked about the Night of Too Many Stars benefit that was on Comedy Central, and that saw a stand-up from various different people, including Ricky Gervais and uh, Steve Carell. In fact, uh, Steve Carell and Oscar Nunez both appeared in that show. Uh, doing a little bit together. This is not, apparently this is edited out, edited version, but uh, if you'd like to purchase that show and take a look, it's uh, now offered on iTunes for $1.99. This isn't necessarily really news, but I just kind of thought it was interesting. Uh, This week we had, there's an interview with Steven Spielberg at worldscreen.com talking about upcoming TV projects. Spielberg said that uh, when I was a kid, I thought I would never laugh as loud as I did when I watched with my family Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows, Ernie Kovacs, and I Love Lucy. But I have to admit, I'm laughing a little louder when I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, My Name is Earl, and The Office. TV is truly better than ever before. So there you go, man. We're in good company. The uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette this last week ran an article which uh, explored how the actual citizens of Scranton, Pennsylvania feel about their fictional neighbors from the office. Long story short, the mayor of Scranton has a Dunder Mifflin banner flying outside of City Hall. Uh, The Chamber of Commerce in town sends the show Scranton mugs and other paraphernalia to... 20-something baristas that they interviewed. Basically, their opinion was that it, it the show does make fun of the city, but uh, it's all in good fun, and they can take it. And they also interviewed a local firefighter in Scranton who says the show is not funny and is stupid. Those are his words, folk. Guess you can't please everyone. Lighten up, Francis. No, and there is still talk floating around of uh, Scranton trying to get the entire cast to fly out for a big St. Patrick's Day parade. So that would be Road kind of interesting. Trip. That might be something I'd have to do. Yeah, I know. I'd seriously think about that. Steve Carell, like you said, I don't know if we want to jinx ourselves here about Steve Carell going off on his movie career, but uh, Carell is starting to film another movie. Uh, it's going to be starting filming this Monday, a film called Dan in Real Life. It starts filming in Monday, as I said, in Rhode Island. And in this film, Carell plays a widower and father of three who falls for his brother's girlfriend, played by uh, Juliette Binoche. Uh, Dane Cook is supposed to be in it as Carell's brother. Also includes Diane Weist. And um, they're shooting in and around Jamestown, Middleton, uh, East Greenwich, Newport, as well as Providence, Rhode Island. So uh, anyone in the Rhode Island area, keep your eyeballs open. You might just uh, see our good buddy Michael Scott there wandering around. Now, Ian, this is a little uh, a little disappointing for me. Now, I know that you enjoyed this show, but uh, all celebrity dancing all the time on NBC? This comes from USAToday.com, and uh, unfortunately... Faced with slow ad sales and growing competition from digital and cable media, NBC Universal plans to slash expenses by $750 million. Also, they plan to cut 700 jobs, which is about 5% of their workforce. What does that have to do with uh, dancing and Ian's lack of manliness? Well, 
The company also says that um, NBC is going to trim costs by filling their 8 p.m. Eastern time hour with relatively inexpensive game and reality shows instead of sitcoms and dramas. So a lot of the shows this season that NBC has put on in that 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock central time slot have really been savaged. Um, critically, you know, critical acclaimed shows like uh, Friday Night Lights uh, has just been doing horribly. Um, terrible John Lithgow sitcom. I can't even remember what that was. Uh, 30 Rocks on it. I think that's actually a pretty funny show. Yeah, I saw the first episode. That show's okay, but apparently it's not doing very well. Rating Friday Night Lights is a really good show. I'm not just saying that because a buddy of mine happens to work on the show. Yeah, and that's what I've heard. But, you know, it's like one of those things. They, they put it up against House. They uh, they put it up against these other shows that just have dominated the time slot. And, you know, people just aren't watching. They don't have enough time in the day. So yeah. NBC's answer is to put on reality shows. I don't get why NBC would even make that announcement. Well, that, that's some. There's been some cause for concern. Uh, basically, this is uh, apparently you know, and I'm, I'm not a big Hollywood insider kind of guy, but uh, this uh, president of the network, this uh, Zucker guy, apparently is really held in in pretty low regard by most of the media, and um, and they, a lot of people think this is a really boneheaded move on their part and really short sighted. Uh, and it's true that reality shows are uh, successful a lot of times, and they are cheaper to make than dramas or or comedies, but you know, the truth of the matter is that NBC is getting crushed by scripted dramas. I mean, Thursday night uh, at 7 o'clock, you know, the 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock hour, they have uh, Ugly Betty, and, and then they have, you know, House on Fox on Tuesdays, and, and all these other things. I mean, really, I don't know. It seems like it seems like a really desperate move. Now, fortunately well, I'm, not, I'm not taking issue with the philosophy. If that's what they want to do, if that's what they think they need to do, I'm just questioning why they even feel the need to announce such a thing. Well, you know, they got to, it comes out. I mean, I guess they have to make a plan. They have to tell their shareholders, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, the quarterly reports, or quarterly earning reports came out, and, and General Electric actually met their targets. The only division of General Electric that showed a loss was the NBC Universal division. So I'm sure they're being called to the carpet to uh, explain themselves. Tina Fey, you're on watch. Yeah, I personally think that's a really ridiculous idea, but um, the one bright spot on here, though, is that NBC Entertainment president, Kevin Riley, he's the new guy that kind of came in here. Um, he says that the plan changes are not ironclad and that Thursdays, My Name is Earl, and The Office are almost certain to remain in early time period. Uh, really, also, they just switched them, right? I mean, if what's well, on at 9 now, deal or no deal? Um yeah, and, and actually the thing that's funny is that they said that ER uh, is actually their, one of their best shows now again somehow this year up against tough competition. It, it, a lot of people saw it as being like a, in its descendancy that it was out getting ready to get out of here. But uh, yeah, now it's become another, you know, it's back to being a tentpole show for uh, for NBC. Well, once we saw John Cutter's Beat Farm, you know, there was nowhere to go after that. <laughs> yeah, his yam farm in Africa, right? Yeah, but like you said, I mean, I think it's a move that just smells of desperation, really. Angela Kinsey uh, was in TV Guide this week. Last week we had Melora Harden. This week we have Angela Kinsey being interviewed at uh, tvguide.com. Uh, a lot of things she talks about, a couple of highlights. She talks about how she originally auditioned for the role of Pam, that uh, it's quite a weird situation to have the same name as her character because in public people will say, hey, Angela, and she is not sure 
if it's somebody that she actually knows or if it's just somebody who's someone from the TV show. So she's yeah, that would be weird. Some crazy situations in the past. She also mentioned that she enjoyed being in the limelight for the webisodes over the summer, which were filmed in two days. And, uh, you know, those kind of spotlighted the characters that hadn't really been, you know, front and center in a lot of the episodes. Uh, she also talks about this, and I mentioned this before, that uh, John Krasinski, Mandy Moore, and Robin Williams were in a movie called License to Wed, which is supposed to be coming out in the summer of 07. Um, interesting, bigger Office connection is that the movie is directed by Ken Kwapis, who uh, directed a lot of Office episodes. So along with John Krasinski in the movie is going to be also Angela Kinsey, uh, Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin, also, Mindy Kaling, who plays Kelly. So they're all going to be showing up in the film if they don't get cut out. Let's go to our blog roundup here. Jenna Fisher's blog from uh, the 19th of October. Uh, she addresses the, one of the questions we talked about last week, how we uh, supposedly the initiation and grief counseling had been shifted around. And, and the rumor got started somehow that it was out of deference to the Amish school shootings or something. Jenna Fisher says that's flatly untrue, that uh, they just shoot episodes out of order. Now, I think I, I think we're all hip enough to know that they shoot episodes out of order. I think the confusion came from the fact that the TV guide and the TV listing service all had that episode as being the one that was supposed to air. And so it was a little surprising to see it move. And I guess it led, led into speculation. So Angela's blog this week, just n not too much episode specific stuff, just a little, some tidbits out there. Uh, she mentions that several of the cast love to play tennis. They keep their gear in their cars. And if they ever get an hour break during shooting, they run out and play Brian and rain play a lot. Uh, Angela said that she's played Brian, but would love to get an office doubles game going. Other behind-the-scenes tidbit, I guess this week they were shooting an episode where it was snowing outside. So they had, uh, she said it was quite awesome to look out the windows and see snow in the middle of whatever the 85-degree weather in L.A. Oh, apparently in this episode as well that she's filming today, Angela had to meet with a stunt coordinator because she's doing a stunt. She says, ha, how's that for a tease? It's not a crazy stunt, but I guess I, they have to go over the safety stuff just in case. So, man, I wonder what's going to happen with that. Mm, cat fight through the office on fire or something. Ah, I hope for a cat fight between Pam and Angela with... Uh... Ooh. <laughs> uh, don't go there. Okay. Um... Oh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Just kidding. And uh, if you've noticed, I don't know, if you tried to go and read Angela's blog on MySpace, you might have been rebuffed this last week. Uh, because apparently she has switched it so that you have to be a friend of hers to be able to read her blog page. Seems kind of strange. I guess some, apparently she says that uh, she heard she had some kind of a MySpace stalker and that he or she hacked in and took over one of my fan groups. So I figured I don't want to bum anyone out, but I better just lay low for the, from the whole group scene for a while. That's kind of I think uh, NBC should get uh, Dateline's Chris Hansen looking into that. <laughs> to catch a My Office Predator. Now, as for cast appearances this upcoming week, well, Brian Baumgartner and Angela Kinsey will be on Loveline on uh, Tuesday, October 24th. I didn't know that show was still on. Me either. I, mean, I, I guess that's the radio show right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had no idea it was still on. On Wednesday, the 25th, we have a rerun of uh, Jenna Fisher's appearance on The Tonight Show from September 28th. And that's pretty interesting. When, that was when she was acting all crazy and manic and talked about... Yeah, like she must have had a uh, <laughs> over... Uh, 
Too much coffee. Yeah, maybe uh, the works pretzel down in the green room. Um, uh, New stuff this week. Okay, on Friday the 27th, Angela Kinsey will be on the Megan Mullally show, which is her first talk show. And we mentioned that before, but it is now official. So yeah, and I know when uh, Megan Mullally is showing in Detroit anyway, so I'll try to see that. <laughs> All right, I'm sure it'll show up on uh, on YouTube because uh, last week John Krasinski made an appearance on the Ellen Show, which I totally forgot to mention. But uh, if uh, if you missed it like I did, you can go on YouTube and just search for John Krasinski and Ellen, and uh, you can take a look at it. It was pretty interesting. It was a lot more interesting than Dwight's or uh, Rain's appearance on Ellen a few weeks back. Next episode, Ian, next week, I have a shock, a bit of a shock for you. We have uh, our first rerun next week. Yeah, what are we going to do? Hopefully, well, they're doing a rerun, I assume, because of the World Series. Uh, I, I Probably. I mean, when we've my had... Detroit Tigers vanquished Jenna Fisher's St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> we had, uh, you know, we did have five new episodes in a row. So, I mean, that, that's probably part of it. But also, you know, I guess it's maybe it's about that time for a little bit of a break. Uh, we are, we're going to get a rerun of the Gay Witch Hunt episode. And um, so, you know, if, if you're interested and you didn't listen to it so far, you can go back and, and download our first official episode of That's What She Said and listen to our comments on the Gay Witch Hunt episode. Now, the first, the next new episode is going to be in two weeks on Thursday, November 2nd. And uh, the new episode title is called Diwali and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, the plot summary is thus, that it's Diwali, the Hindu festival of lights. Michael encourages the entire Scranton branch to support Kelly and attend a local celebration of Diwali. Meanwhile, Ryan faces Kelly's family at the event. So, uh, apparently, this is the Kelly Kapoor story hour, that episode. What a couple of weeks for Ryan, huh? I know. Um, I, th- I find it kind of funny. Let this be a lesson to you, folks. If you want your minor character to be featured in a full-length episode, make sure that you're one of the staff writers. So we've seen this week B.J. Novak is a staff writer. He wrote a really big Brian episode, and I'm I'm guessing that Mindy uh, is responsible for writing that uh, that episode. So Kelly Flanderson will get an episode as well. Well, perhaps, perhaps, and, and that goes to explain why Meredith is getting such a shaft this year. <laughs> She's just not on the writing staff, and she just doesn't get any storylines. In fact, I don't even think she did anything in this episode this week. Uh, Once again, not even one word. Ian, I have some information on the episode that's going to air in in three weeks, and uh, it's kind of a spoiler. So if you don't don't want to hear what's going to happen, it's kind of a big deal. So if you don't want to hear, fast forward your iPod now for a couple of minutes, and uh, once you hear that email music, you should be safe. Uh, here it is. Well, in three weeks, guys, and, and this has been around in a different, few different blog sites already, but uh, Thursday, November 9th, the title of the episode is Branch Closing. And uh, Eric Smith on the forum sent me a link to an Ask Us Yellow question that appeared at tvguy.com, and the question was this. Uh, hey, I was just wondering if you had any office scoop. When are Jim and Pam going to see each other again? And Osceola replied, the title of the November 9th episode is Branch Closing, Nuff Said. Actually, I've got one more thing to say. How twisty would it be if the Scranton branch absorbed Jim and his new office crush? Pretty darn twisty. Well, there you go. So when will Jim be back in Scranton? Apparently on November 9th, folks. And uh, bringing Karen along with him. 
So it will definitely make for a strange triangle in the office there. Can't let things get too happy. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, this first uh, letter comes to us from Amy, uh, a new poster on our blog page, and she says... Although I would ultimately like to see Jim and Pam together, I think it's good that they're spending time with others like Karen, the weird cartoonist guy, and even Roy. Like my one and only office-watching friend says, Karen is Jim's transitional person. She's not supposed to be the one. Now, obviously, my friend was hearkening back to when Harry met Sally with those words, but they still make sense. Well, Amy, again, as we talked about today, the writers, uh, they know what they're doing by kind of throwing us off the scent there for this last month and a half, and I think it really paid off in this episode. Um, Don't underestimate Karen, though. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll see what she can do. Maybe I just don't want to underestimate her. We'll see what happens when she has to battle the bees. Eric (laughs) posted, yeah, you like that? Eric posted on the blog page and asked, Did you guys watch the webisodes this summer? I thought they were okay. I wonder if they will ever come back to the idea of Angela's crush on Roy. So, Ian, did you, uh, did you watch any of those webisodes that NBC aired over the summer? No, I didn't. Oh, man. You're going to have to go back and check it out. Uh, yeah, one, one of these days when you actually finally buy that Season 2 DVD set, uh, those are actually on the DVD as well. Oh, okay. And, and you can watch them. Now, what did I think about this the This might web- be the week, by the way. Well, God, I hope so. <laughs> what did I think about those webisodes? Well, I thought they were okay. Definitely didn't have the spark, the same spark as the full cast at Office. And I think that uh, there really was a lot lost without the other characters being involved. Even so, like I said, I mean, they were decent. It was a good uh, break that you could get some new Office material over the summer. Um, I'm just glad that they did put them on the DVD because I just find it... For some reason, it just seemed like such a big hassle. Every time I went to NBC's website to you know, play that stupid FedEx ad, and it would do all this crazy stuff, and uh, whatever. Just watch the DVD, folks, if you haven't seen it so far. All right, uh, Paul French wrote in and said, You're putting on a great show, Matt and Ian, and I'm enjoying tuning in, especially the comparison of the coup to Macbeth. Well, I can't really take credit for that. I think a lot of people came up with that, that uh, comparison. Even Jenna Fisher on her blog page made mention of that as well. Um, but, you know, again, like I said, I, I am an English teacher, and Ian was an English major, so we're kind of big nerds. We can't help ourselves. Uh, Paul goes on to say, much like on Comic Timing, you've made me spend money again. I just picked up the second season DVD after all your talk of the deleted scenes. Uh, okay, and just another plug, I am, if you are if you just can't get enough of my big mouth, I do do another podcast uh, for the last couple of months called Comic Timing which uh, talks about issues in the world of comic books. Uh, oh, but, but I'm the nerd. <laughs> well, I, yeah, these are graphic novels, so no. <laughs> just go. kidding. Anyway, we, we both know we're serious nerds. Let's, let's just get over yeah, that, right. that fact. And I actually do that with another Ian by the name of, a guy by the name of Ian Levenstein. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can find us Very on jealous. iTunes there. All right, this is actually from uh, this week's episode. Elizabeth posted on the blog page, I loved the initiation. It's the closest this season has been to the greatness of season two. The Pam and Jim conversation was both sweet and heartbreaking at the same time. They need to get back together, kissing, babies, etc. A plus. 
You know what just occurred to me? What's listening? that? Do you think that Jim only bumped into Pam because he was waiting at the office? He was waiting until everybody else left so nobody would replace his chair. <laughs> that uh, that could be. That could be. That could be why he stayed there so late. So, I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to tell her that because he was flirting with another woman. In any event, I, I you know what? I'm not sure I totally agree that this is one of the best episodes ever. I think I agree with what you said, though. It has one of the best one-third uh, of the episode ever. Definitely. Um, there's been, I think there's been other episodes in, in season two that, uh, that were more consistent all around. Yeah, but it's like when you watch... Uh well, you know, not everybody is a sports fan, obviously, but, you know, sometimes you watch a ball game and it has a really great ending, and you're like, oh, what a great game, but you forget what a crap game it was <laughs> up until that Well, great that's ending. always the truth. You know, the, people always remember the last little bit, so they uh, they came through with a huge close, and uh, it delivered, so that's what we'll go out on, having really positive memories. Hey, um, did you see that uh, somebody might send us some of those hers chips? Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because... Um, I had uh, someone mention the fact she also came from Racine at one point and, and used to live here, and, but then moved away to Pennsylvania and said that um, basically what she said was that the chips were not that great. So Emily wrote in. Yeah, it's Emily. I'm sorry. <laughs> she said, uh, again, that they're not that great, that more people eat Utz or Utz brand salt and vinegar chips. But she says if, if I find some... If she finds some, she'll ship them to us in exchange for an O&H bakery, Kringle. And that's just like totally, if you don't live in Racine or have never lived in this little city of 80,000 people, you probably have no idea what we're just talking about. No, there. I, have no idea. I have had Utz, but no uh, uh Emily, I tell you what, you know, Kringle is one of the definite, one of the only pluses to living in this town. It's, uh, I'll see what I can do. Let's see, last one here. Uh, Megan said, I love the comments on this site because they're all so positive, or at least they're constructive. I've got to quit going to other forums where people nitpick and complain about every little thing. Because let's face it, even on a bad day, The Office rocks and is by far the best show out there. Well, she might not be too happy with us nitpicking that. I was going to say, well, I hope I was at least constructive. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, that's the thing. I just... Like I said before, I don't really get involved, and especially until after I've recorded the show. I just I don't want to know what anyone else thought until I can get my own thoughts down out there. So um, I'm glad that everybody is posting to the blog. And if you haven't posted to the blog, you haven't stopped by our blog page, please do so. That is located at that's what she said dot libsyn dot com, and that's L I B S Y N. I keep saying that I'm looking into doing a forum, and, and I hope I can. I'm not a huge, like, internet guru kind of guy that can whip something up like that together, but uh, but I'll see what I can do. In the meantime, um, I, I do post up uh, places that you can comment on the episodes as they air, So, uh, and I also post up the various news items throughout the week sometimes, so if you come by, you can uh, feel free to to post. You don't have to register or do anything else. Just leave your name, and, your, and uh, that's it, so... Come on by. All right, and that's going to do it for us this week. Join us next week around this same time for episode 5.5, our first rerun week. What the hell are we going to do? What will the show be about? Only time will tell. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at that's what she said.libson.com. 
If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for this episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And this week, I'm going to give Stanley the last word. 364 days till the next pretzel day. Oh, come on. Drive, you do it.